Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Meredith with the Y. Today, I am getting into self-esteem, self-worth, all these self-love, self-everything, because guess what? Your entire world is shaped by you. The way you think about it, the way you think about it yourself, all of the good things, so stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Okay, so happy Halloween, all the good stuff. Uh, Happy day. Today, we're talking about self-esteem, and I just had a really great experience as to how self-esteem and self-worth plays into your everyday life and how it plays into how happy you are in every single moment of the day. So when I was primarily and only a stay-at-home mom, most of my self-worth came from my mothering abilities. So when Cody was born very ill and I was capable of taking care of him and doing a really good job and basically keeping him alive since he was so sick when he was born, my self-worth, the way I found my importance was by way of my abilities to mother, my successes as a wife. My value was brought to me and showed up by way of the way the world saw me as a wife and a mom. And my dad used to be really good about, you know, being complimentary about my abilities. Oh, Meredith, you're just the best mother in the world. And boy, you keep just a beautiful house. And looking back, I do have to wonder if that was a good or a bad thing, because basically what he was doing and he was he was trying to tell me what a great job I was doing and you know that I didn't need to look outside of the home to you know like become a career person and find my value or make money and find my value he you know really wanted to instill in me my value by what I was already doing which I think is beautiful and I think it's important that we find our value and what we're already doing cuz so often you know, people make us feel like or the world makes us feel like the grass is always greener. You know, when you're a stay-at-home mom, you you wish you had a career. And when you have a career, you wish you're a stay-at-home mom. And I'm sure the same could be held true for all people. The grasses sometimes can be greener, right? It can be more glamorous. It can be more interesting, etc. So my dad you know, was doing a, a beautiful job of really allowing me to be comfortable and find my value in who I already was. And as I have moved farther into maybe a career person and seeing myself in this new light, especially where I live in Chicago, there are a lot of very profoundly, profoundly, profoundly successful people that live here. And I believe I've talked about it before. So when Jim and I got married, I moved to Philadelphia. I was a stay-at-home mom. 
I had Brock and Emerson, and then we moved to Ohio for a couple of years, then Florida, and that's where I started a business with a friend. And then after Florida, we moved to Chicago, and we've been here for a little over five years. And so once my kind of career path, if you will, started a little bit in New Jersey and then proceeded to grow in Ohio and then kind of shifted gears. But now I'm really on my path of, you know, kind of what I want to do and who I want to be here in, in Chicago. But when I moved here, because of the fact that we moved to such an affluent city, when I say affluent, I mean, like, I have friends that have airplanes, like their own airplanes. And so not only are they affluent, not only are they wealthy and successful, but they're also men and women. Most of my friends are doctors or lawyers. I mean, when I tell you our our my kid's coach literally is a brain surgeon. Like, you know, when you make the joke, like, what do you think? Who does your coach think he is a brain surgeon? Well, he actually is. So when we moved to this very affluent area, I made a decision and I made a very conscious decision because I was moving here as, you know, 44 year old person, average build at best, mildly decent looking mom, wife, you know, I could talk to dead people, right? So that's kind of how I led in the beginning, which I can get into that. but. I decided that I wasn't going to try to be the best. I just, I just wasn't. I decided that trying to be the best in a place where there are so many people in society's view as better than me. So I was never going to be the thinnest or the prettiest or the youngest or the richest or the smartest or the most talented. I just knew that those things were not going to be attainable. And that wasn't a bad thing. It just wasn't, which is bizarre to think that, right? It just wasn't a bad thing. It allowed me to be just me. So when I decided that I wasn't going to try to be anything other than the most and best Meredith, when I made that choice, so much inside of me shifted because the world stopped becoming and stopped being about the world. The world now and my life and my happiness and my fulfillment and the things that I strived for all of a sudden became profoundly internal. My due north only lived inside of my values about myself because when you decide to be the most you that you can be, there's no comparison. There's no comparing. There's no litmus test. There's no gold star. It's literally all from within. And then you have can stop checking in with other people about how well you're doing because you're not looking around to see your value. It can only come from you. And sometimes when you start doing this, not only do you become way more successful, because as I've told you here before, the only thing that you can ever fail at is being someone else. That's the only thing. 
of anything else, you have the opportunity to be profoundly successful at and not fail because all all paths are leading you on to your path. So when the opportunity for failure, being someone else, removes itself from the equation, and when you are only using yourself and the way you feel about you as a, again, as the barometer of your success and your happiness, now all of a sudden everything is a little bit more intimate. It's a little bit more in your control because it's just you. And I believe that this is when I became the most successful is when I stopped looking over my shoulder. When I stopped worrying about what everyone else was thinking, it's just all me, nobody else. When I created my merch, do I like my merch? Do I like the t-shirt that I created? Do I like my coffee cup or my phone cases? Do I like what they say? Do I, am I happy with my podcast? Am I happy with my appointments and the way that I charge and my Zoom calls and my my creative content? I put, that's just me. I'm not asking anybody that. And I've talked about that here before. But that could only happen when I decide that I am going to be the measurement of my own happiness and success. That I'm not going to look to my mom or my dad or my husband or my kids. I'm not going to look to my neighbors to tell me who I am and if I've made it and where I sit on my own chart because they don't know. And maybe a lot of people do this. I don't know. Maybe a lot of people aren't looking over their shoulder. And if you're one of them, good, good for you. But it took me a long time to stop doing this. And then I became profoundly more happy. I was watching a documentary of which I haven't finished yet, but it's about Toni Morrison. And she's the author of The Bluest Eye. If you haven't read it yet, please do. And it's only 100, and I think she said 147 pages of just genius. And it was written about the town that I was actually born in. That was That's where she is from, Lorraine, Ohio. And that is where the book is set. And so I'm watching this documentary about her, and she's discussing, she's a Black woman. And she was born in the 40s. And she was discussing how when she wrote, she wrote her books about the Black community, but they came from a place where the white person's eye watching didn't exist. Now, especially if you're a woman, stay with me here. Because this is this is a very, very interesting thing that she's talking about. So most of the time, the way she describes it, when a person of color would write a book, there was, and you could see this in movies and cartoons back in the 40s and 50s, these works were written by Black people, but they were written about Black people by way of the gaze of the white man. 
And so a lot of times a Black person would be a caricature of themselves or, you know, like the Aunt Jemima kind of, the, the mammy overextended version of a true person of color, right? And so their existence was portrayed by way of the way a white person felt about Black people or a Black person. Now, of course, I've never thought about this because I'm white. And so this was eye-opening to me to understand how profound this concept was and how much it can change a story. Because then the Black person's story is only about them and their community and how they feel about themselves. And it's not by way of anybody. And so this got me thinking. My life up until very recently, and when I say recently, I mean the last couple of years. My life has primarily existed by way of the gaze of a man. Growing up, it was my father, my neighbor, who was uh, my best friend was a boy, Brandon. A lot of my self-worth came from whether or not he wanted to play, if he could play, if he was around to play. I remember my happiness being very, very interwoven with Brandon is a, a you know availability i saw that as you know me being popular or important and i'm talking age 5 here people 5 6 7 8 years old whether or not like hey can brandon play no he's just going to stay inside today well clearly that's because he doesn't like me clearly you know peeling back the layers of meredith you guys can see right like this shit's been going on for a while she's not as together as we thought she once was and so then, you know, then it's boys at school, Scott Frisky. When he, when I was in third grade, Scott asked me to be his girlfriend. I think we were at the roller, rollercade in Avon Lake, Ohio. And, you know, then I'm the, I, I'm glowing, I'm beaming, you know. And remember, my parents got divorced when I was six. So, you know, much of my value came now because my dad is out of the house from boys and men around my life. Two doors down, there was brothers that lived there. And, you know, if they were wanting uh, me to play or hang out or, you know, be involved in whatever they were doing next door, I was valuable. And so much of my value and whether or not I was worthy or felt good or felt happy or connected because a, a lot of the, you know, my neighbors were boys, my value, my brother was a boy, you know, he's my closest sibling growing up. It's kind of amazing to to look at that and, and see how much I, I was looking for who the hell I was and whether or not people wanted to play and hang out and was found in all of the, the gaze of a man. And so that continued for most of my life. And I find it very fascinating that Toni Morrison was able to break down 
the way that a person or a community or maybe even a sex can live by way of the gaze of a man and and how that plays out in your life and what can we do when raising our children to help them find their self-worth outside of the gaze of anyone but themselves. Because when you put your self-worth in anyone else else's power, if you will, their ability. I mean, I'm pretty sure that that my neighbor has absolutely no idea that, you know, him not being able to play could crush me. How stupid is that? Maybe he's sick. Maybe he wasn't allowed to. But I can take myself back to that side door, walking over there, beep, 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 I'm gonna play today. We're gonna play mud pies. We're gonna play cups and robbers. Nope, sorry, Brandon can't play today. And just being crushed. And that sucks. That sucks. But unfortunately, you know, growing up with my parents divorced at such a young age, I didn't have really that that value of who I was constantly ingrained in me that, you know, I was good enough by way of that energy, that male energy. I had visitation, you know, or maybe I was just, you know, didn't know how to find value in myself. I think that, you know, any sort of abuse makes you second guess your value because you have someone bigger than you that you love, your mom, your dad, whomever telling you that whatever you believe about yourself is wrong. You know, if I were to wake up any day of the week and be like, wow, like you look good today, Meredith, you're you're awesome. You got your shit together. And then the people that you love are abusive to you more cruel, then your value in your head of yourself, your steering wheel, it doesn't know which way to turn because the very people that say that they love you and that you love are giving you mixed messages that you're not worthy. Here, let me let me spank you or, you know, say something cruel to you and tell you that you're you're less than and then now where do you how do you make sense of that in your brain how does your brain as a child value yourself when the people that you love are telling you not to and look there's a million people out there that grew up in very dysfunctional households that can find their own value for some somehow they were they were able to find their due north they were able to find their inner gaze but if you weren't and you kept looking for it because if your view of yourself is off, then you have to look to others to tell you who you are all the time. So the other day I was invited to a party and I have not been invited to this person's house before, although we're, we're friendly, we're acquaintances. She has tended to run in, I would say, different circles than myself and she's just absolutely lovely, brilliant, talented artist. I mean, when I say brilliant, she is hired by museums and 
very, very exclusive artist that she redoes old paintings and works of art. I mean, just brilliant artist. And so she's a very layered person. She's in the social circles, but just, God, she's brilliant and spiritual. She actually went on a very interesting retreat this year that we talked about. So anyways, she calls me up or texts me, I forget which, and that invites me to this party of hers. And it was on a very, very busy day of ours. And we had very little time to get our costumes ready and blah, blah, blah. So needless to say, we were getting our Halloween costumes ready like the day before. And my husband decided to go as Jason Voorhees from, you know, Friday the 13th. And then I was going to go as a camp kid who he had murdered because that's easy. You know, jeans, t-shirt, sweatshirt, makeup. Mm -hmm. And we were getting home at like 8.15 from my daughter's birthday party. So we had like four seconds to get ready. So it had to be a very simple costume. Anyways, so we get to this party and I know a lot of the people there. I don't necessarily run in the same social circles as them, but I know a lot of them and I'm friendly with a lot of them. And five years ago, I would have been nervous. I would have been insecure. I would have led with, I'm a medium and made myself, as I like to call it, a, par a party favor. And I would not have led with, just being Meredith, just being someone who is attending your party, who has nothing to offer you except for me. I would have tried to prove myself as worthy or interesting by leading with my psychic medium abilities, which I had done in the past. And P.S., it turned out horribly. So, and that all stemmed from being insecure. It all stemmed from me not being enough by just showing up. It stemmed from me feeling like I had to offer more than myself to be valued and worthy. And now I know that that's not the case. And it's not that I just know it's not the case. I can feel. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I don't need to bring anything to the table but me. Because I do believe that when you, you know, you are trying to do, you know, bring your money to the table or bring what you do to the table or maybe overtly your sexuality to the table or your beauty to the table, it comes off as a little like you're trying too hard. It doesn't come off as authentic or at least it didn't for me. And so when you try to show up and highlight inauthentically or when you're trying too hard, it, it can show up as trying too hard and it's not necessary. And I think it comes off as awkward. And then the problem is, that when that's what you bring to the table, then that's what people expect next time because they think that that's how you want to present yourself and that's who you are. Kind of watching that with uh, Madonna right now, which I find fascinating. If you follow her on Instagram or TikTok, 
she's just being Madonna. And people are like, why is she acting so weird? And she's acting so crazy. And then I went and looked at her videos. I'm like, no, no, no. This is just Madonna 20.0. That you're not getting anything different of Madonna. This is who Madonna has been since the minute she came out on stage. It was who we wanted her to be, who the boundaries she wanted to push. That's who we're seeing right now is Madonna pushing boundaries. Madonna showing up how she thinks that we might want to perceive her which is completely and totally outside of the box. Only on this podcast will you get Madonna and Toni Morrison, by the way, in one, one episode. Madonna and Toni Morrison. Both greats in their own right, though, of course. Cutting edge. Women, powerful, doing it their way. Good for them. But I, I, I beg you, and I talk about this in the first chapter of my book that's out, if you haven't gotten it yet. It's on Amazon. Mindset, Mastermind, 10 Steps to Change Your Life Forever. It's in the show notes. Click below. But I talk about self-worth and why it's so important to find yourself. But I'm telling you this outside of the gaze of anyone and I talked about this a bit in the last episode. If you haven't listened to that, go back. And I read a little bit from my book there too about self-worth and finding your self-worth and how important it is. Because I don't want any of you to wait until you're 50 to figure out that no one's gaze matters but your own. Not your parents, not your spouse, not your kids. Because everyone is self-centered. My sister, she's so successful. She works for a big hotel corporation. She's very, very good at what she does. And literally just yesterday, my mom sent a text on our group text chain that was like, you should be a caterer, which I don't understand what that comment came from because I don't think my sister really even cooks that often. She's more of a baker. But I, I think she just misspoke. I don't know. Maybe she was meaning party planner. But when people tell you that you should be something other than what you are, there's a discomfort in that. It's uncomfortable. It makes your brain kind of stutter step. Like, wait, what? Why am I not good enough where I'm at right now? It's, it's jarring to me if someone were to tell me to be someone other than I'm not. It's almost like, it's almost like you. The, the needle scratches across the record if you're old enough to know what that means. I guess the kids today have vinyl, but records. But seriously, it's it's like, wait, why would you say that? I thought I was great doing what I'm doing. I, I don't understand, which is why I think I have such discomfort with people giving me their opinions on anything in my life, which is probably why I don't ask because, and I don't give a shit what anyone thinks about my life and the way I do things because of the fact that, first of all, again, they don't know where I'm headed. They don't know what my dreams are. They don't know what feeds my soul. So why would I take their advice? There, there are a few people that I, that I reach out to, but not many. But the Even the idea of like helping your kid pick out what they want to do for college or telling them what they should be or in sports or all of those things, it's just really jarring to me. Because what you're telling 
the person is, I know you better than you know yourself. And then that person has to wonder if, hey, the way I'm feeling, maybe I don't really know how I'm feeling or maybe how I'm feeling isn't that important. Holy shit. Maybe how I'm feeling is wrong. Maybe my inner guidance system is broken. Interesting. Do you hear that? Do you hear what I'm saying here? Wait for people to ask. And then if someone says to you, well, I just don't know what I should do with my life. My response would be, well, how do you want it to feel? How do you want your job to feel when you wake up in the morning? Do you stay home? Do you go to an office? Do you go to a hospital? Do you go to a mall? Do you go to a court? Do you draw all day? How does it feel in your dream job? You're going to help them find themselves. If you've got a kid that's getting ready to go for college and they're trying to figure out where should I go to college and what should I be when I grow up? And they're like, I don't even know where to apply. Well, when you wake up and look out your, your dorm window, what's it look like? Are you in the mountains? Are you in, you know, by a beach? Is it warm out? Is it cold? Are there leaves falling from the trees? When you are a good friend or a good spouse or good parent or a good boss, a good mentor, your job, your goal should be to help the person that you are standing in front of figure out what they want, not imparting yourself in their life. And if you are trying to figure out who you are, I would take all the labels, all the relationships, all the bonds between you and the people around you and you and society. Take all that away and say, who am I without all that? Who am I when no one's looking? Who am I without the gaze of my parents or society? What is it that I want? Because you're going to be 800 billion times happier than someone that doesn't do that, who spends their whole life going to medical school or, you know, marrying the prom queen or having the kids and not doing the thing. You're going to be way happier by doing what it is that you want instead of what society wants you to do. And then you're not going to have the midlife crisis or the midlife awakening. You're going to have your awakening and your crisis and your come to Jesus when you're in your 20s or 30s because you're going to figure out who you are that much sooner. If you haven't bought my book yet, you suck. Just kidding. So go buy it. It's $14.99. It's a softback book. You can actually now get it on Kindle. It's small but mighty. It's a small book, but it's a mighty book. In the paperback copy, there are lines. If you want to use them for the challenge prompts, there are no lines in the challenge prompts in the Kindle edition, but, you know, use a journal. And the Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free. And then I think it's $9.99 if you quote buy it on Kindle. So check that out. I want each and every one of you to get yourself a copy. I really appreciate it. It is not available everywhere in the world but it is available in many, many different countries on Amazon um, in the country that you live in. I know a lot of you are around the world. Thank you so much for supporting me around the world. It really means a lot. 
I'm, I'm always amazed by all the different countries that are listening. I think it's fantastic just to, uh, let's see here. I wonder if I have, I, I get, I get what um, you guys are listening out there every single day. And I just love it so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go grab a book. It means everything. If you have the book, please read it and leave a review on Amazon. I need 50 reviews on amazon.com. I need 50 reviews on this book for Amazon to push it out. So if you can leave a review or a five star or I read it and loved it, something very simple. It doesn't have to be a whole ring. Please go on there. If someone lent you a copy, you didn't have to buy it. That's okay. Please leave a review. Again, I need 50 reviews for Amazon to push the book out. And I've got more books coming. And so I will have a new update for what's going on in my life next week. I think that it's going to be very exciting. And so anyways, uh, thanks so much for listening. Love you guys. See you next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.